0: have been waiting for it. We've been waiting for it. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Brooklinen, Audible, and Postmates. They're bringing the show to you, DLC. Of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktop, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, that spell with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who thought it was a good idea to move during a global pandemic. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello Jeff. Yeah, not yet, but soon. Uh, I'm also the guy that's going to remind you I am raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital to help kids fight and beat cancer. You can find the link in the show notes here, also pinned on my Twitter account at Spicer. And I will tell you that this Saturday, knock on wood, things change, but it shouldn't change this Saturday at 8pm Pacific you me and tim from the midnight are going to be playing well i'll be playing some streets of rage streets of rage 4 while we just kind of hang out and chat i figure streets of rage will be a nice background game for uh for tim and us to talk about all the fun things that go into the stuff he's working on and just kind of hang out for a bit yeah yeah i'm so excited i'm looking forward to it well that'll be on my twitch which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer yeah, what time on
0: Saturday are we doing that?
1: 8 p.m. is what we talked about. 8 p.m. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Is that not what you said? No,
0: it is. I just wasn't, didn't quite remember, but now I do.
1: Um, <laughs> well, right. I, I mean, with- also it depends on me getting my internet set up. But let's just say yeah, definitively okay. 8 p.m. Saturday.
0: Are you gonna be all sweaty and have, having moved boxes all day? And I'm uh, like, it's okay. Tim and Jeff just talk about this for a little bit and i'm just
1: like dying (laughs) and streets of rage over and over again i mean because i
0: don't know what it is about your house uh but my house uh, it's about 98 degrees outside oh nice uh
1: with the hot mommy screaming eye puppies yeah yeah hey uh we have
0: a lot of video games to talk about ladies and gentlemen and we're so excited to do it we got we got gaming news we got new games coming out we got that predator to talk about so many things to get to. And you know what? We have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for Developer Literary Contributions. Because we have the author of the Game Dev Business Handbook, as well as a journalist whose work you've seen at Polygon, at Game Informer, on Venture Beat, so many other places... We're so excited to welcome Mike Futter for the first time. Hey, Mike! Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, we're so excited. Um, how are you holding up, man? How are things?
2: Ah, uh, you know, it's it's quarantine. Yeah, it. Kids are doing the distance learning thing, and that's keeping us hopping. But you know, trying to make the most of it. Uh, Lots you of know. good
0: good video games to play right now. That's yes. for sure. Heck yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. the story of the week. Story of the week. the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration f- by uh, sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or By visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There are cool folks hanging out there. Talking about the show. Talking about stories in the video game world. Mike, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: I added this to uh, to the show notes. And I was right after I came out of watching it. That Fortnite concert. Travis Scott. In game. Man, that was cool. I, I you know I don't know a lot about Travis Scott. I don't play Fortnite, but I was there for this, and it was that's amazing, a ton of fun.
0: It you was so and, much fun. You and twelve point three million of your closest friends, right? We're just hanging yeah. out, watching watching the concert. It, it was, was wild. So, so d- what brought you to the yard? You know what I mean. You said you aren't a huge Travis Scott fan. You aren't a Fortnite fan. It, was it just how do they pull this off? How do I mean? Obviously, they've done concerts in Fortnite before. Mm-hmm. What what? what drove you to to boot up the game and and check out the concert
2: i i played a little bit of fortnite my daughter plays it and i i loved the star wars uh event that they did before uh rise of skywalker and i wanted to i wanted to check this out cuz you know right now obviously artists in general are losing out on a ton of money from live events from merchandising i thought it was a cool partnership and it was just Like the choreography, the spectacle of it. And it was just, it was just a cool moment to be part of. I didn't get to see it the very first night and I'd heard about it and I thought, you know, Oh no, I'd miss this thing. And it's like, no, 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 we're doing it five times. It's all good. So (laughs) got up, made sure I had Fortnite installed, jumped in. And like we gathered around, uh, around the screen and, and checked it out. You know, it wasn't a very long event, but I you know I think about how that must have been difficult to pull off under normal circumstances, when they did the marshmallow concert, um, but they they pulled this off working remotely, and yeah, like yeah. from a from a licensing perspective and a contract perspective and you know just getting all of the the animations together and I know that Epic tends to work very quickly like we've seen them iterate. And like add weapons to the game, pull weapons out and add skins and do cool partnerships. But I feel like this took it to an entirely new level and opened the door, I hope, for more things like this, whether that's in Fortnite or elsewhere, because artists need it right now. And I think we need it right now.
0: Yeah, this may be the way we see concerts now. You know, they're talking about concerts and and live sporting events and those kinds of, you know. 50,000 people in one building type events are going to be the last thing that come back. Um, And maybe maybe this is really how an entire generation is going to experience being together to watch the artists that they like. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility that this really becomes a, a much more commonplace thing. I mean, we talk about it now as being this kind of wild anomaly of wow it's how different and cool and interesting but it it may not be a very many years before this feels more like the way you go see a concert it, it seems like that
2: Fortnite is realizing that dream that second life had but never could quite <laughs> right? accomplish yeah. yeah that's so it, it'll be cool if we if this opens the door for more artists who are like you know what i'm missing out on revenue this was the cool thing like today i saw uh i think it was the official Fortnite account tweet out uh, some merch from the concert. So you can actually go to Travis Scott's website and buy like signed boxes of like Fortnite figures that were designed specifically for this. There's uh, one of the Fortnite Nerf guns that was designed specifically for this. So they're really ramping it up. It's like if you go to a concert, you buy the t-shirt, you buy the sweatshirt, you you buy a bunch of merch. It's kind of the same thing, except you're doing it online and of course who knows when that's actually going to be delivered because of everything that's going on
0: right yeah are, are these digital items or are they actual physical items that get mailed to you
2: so there were both like in the game there were a number of there were some free physical or free digital items you could get just by signing on and there were some skins and emotes and stuff like that so there was that digital merch and i'm sure that he's getting a, a piece of that pie but these were physical items that you could order wow. and then have delivered to your house
0: that's that's interesting i i thought that the digital stuff was kind of a no-brainer. Like, you know, you want to give your avatar a T-shirt that said, I, you know, I saw Travis Scott <laughs> on whatever day. Uh, but the idea of having a physical item, I think that's, that is really interesting. And and perhaps um, we'll see more of that as well, that these, these virtual moments are important enough that we want to commemorate them by having physical things in our lives, physical, you know, a lot of people get those T-shirts because they want to remember that thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a permanent, it's, it feels more permanent, certainly than a digital item. Although, you know, maybe that's changing too, <laughs> who knows, but can I, I, just before we even get off this, I want, I want to hear more about, because I did not, I'll admit did not watch this or haven't watched any of the concerts that they've done in Fortnite so far, uh, even though my, my curiosity is now peaked more than ever. Hmm. How did it physically work? You know, do you, do you have to go to a place in game, or is it you? You just select a menu item, and now you're watching the the thing. Or how does how does it work?
2: So it worked a lot better for this one than it did for the Star Wars one. Because uh, for both, there was a a menu pop up, and it was like mm-hmm. you you go in uh, to the battle royale thing, and it's like this is what's happening right now. I don't think you could even play a regular uh, battle royale match. Oh, so you you jump you 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 land, uh, and I think before it started. They just started you on the ground uh, and then you were in the battle bus kind of soaring over and everybody jumped out. But you could see where it was like it wasn't a full, Yeah, it wasn't a full battle bus run across the map. It started and it started you right over pretty much where you needed to be. And then you you jump out and everybody got a free glider that was to commemorate this. So a lot of people had that one equipped. You get to the ground. There's a little bit that happens and then it starts and he's huge. He's like this, you know, 40 story hologram towering over the map And he jumps up and like pops everybody up into the air. And there are other holograms. And then he's kind of teleporting around. And then you get teleported to different parts of the map. And then you're underwater. And then you're flying through space. And you've got full control. And that's what was cool about it. It wasn't just, it was interactive in that you still had control of your character. You could still emote. You know, there were moments where you were kind of on the ground. You could get to a better vantage point to kind of check things out. And it was. It was neat because I first of all I liked the music. Like again, this was a very re- really interesting introduction to an artist that I don't have a whole lot of experience with. So now I'm like, you know what? I could actually see myself listening to some of this music. So even though obviously for you know a concert you're selling tickets and that's a big source of revenue. No tickets here. You you Fortnite's free to play. You can get into the concert for free. You don't have to buy any of the skins. You obviously don't have to buy any of the physical merch. You just get in, and then it, when it was all over, and it lasts about, I want to say 15 minutes, um, they just left us in a match that had an XP boost. And it, was, it wasn't it was a one-and-done Battle Royale match. It was a first to 125 kills. So that went on for another like 10 or 15 minutes. And if you have any interest in the game, you're racking up huge experience because there's this big XP boost. And there was also a big XP boost that happened around the Star Wars thing as well. That one, there was a lot of, there was PVP enabled before the event, so there were people who were just smacking each other with uh, pickaxes and stuff. This one, there wasn't any of that. You got on the ground, I don't think you could even pull out your gun or pull out a pickaxe or anything like that. It started pretty quickly, and then it just went. And it reminded me of the demo scene from the 90s.
0: Oh man, that was, uh, I, so few people, uh, reference that. And I, I was so into that in those days, man. Uh, I, I, I still, I have a, a DVD that they put out, uh, that compiles some of, some of the best ones. And man, I still fantasize about like finding an old, like 46 and just, I have all that stuff on three and a half inch floppies somewhere. And I'd love to just like reconstitute a PC and make it just go back to all those old Amiga mods and and all that stuff. Anyway, I could go for on forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is super cool though. And and I, I applaud that clearly synergy, right? Mm -hmm. It's an ad for the game and it's an ad for the music and it's all an ad for everything and, and, and free. So you really can't, give them any grief about it. It's it's pretty smartly done, pretty well pulled off. That you know could have been a, a lot of uh it could have been a recipe for disaster and it sounds sounds like it was rad.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they've really ironed this out. I I know this isn't the first one I was I didn't go see the marshmallow concert. I thought I didn't quite understand it when that yeah. happened last year. And if I had today's perspective after having done the Star Wars event and done uh the Travis Scott concert, if I knew then what I know now, man, I would have been there because, you know, they've, and they've really got this down to a science. So I'm so excited to see what they do next.
0: Well, Christian, you know, that my first inclination is to imagine all of this, but in VR, because, uh, when when Mike's talking about being like launched up in the air and he's 200 feet tall and you're, you're watching it all around you. I mean, that clearly is a neat thing to do on a, surface but when you're in it and you feel like maybe you know maybe the experience at some point becomes like you're actually standing in a concert and then also you can do all of these you know mind bending physics bending effects on top of that could this be not just an alternative for going to a concert but actually better than going to a concert
1: yes and no Yes, it could be an alternative for it, but no, I mean, well, better than the eye of the beholder. I, I, I don't think it replaces it. I think it's really, really cool what Fortnite is doing. I think a VR version could be really cool. I think an AR version could be really cool, like in HoloLens, you know, is those demos we played, Jeff, where like that opens up and your wall opens. Like, imagine your wall opens up and, you know, whomever, Travis Scott, whatever beyonce comes he's out of you. your house he's yeah. playing in your house yeah it comes out of your wall like your walls transform into a stage or whatever it is yeah. could be really cool or like tiny size they're dancing on your table you know like just like dancing around on your table or whatever mom
0: you're standing inside beyonce right now stop <laughs>
1: it <laughs> but i think stuff like that could be very cool um, and I, I I like seeing this stuff in Fortnite mostly because it just gets me closer and closer to getting a prediction right. Um, <laughs> I think I kind of already got right when like quibi premiered a show in there. Um, but I I don't think it necessarily replaces a concert in the same way that there's a difference between going to see someone play their own music and someone lip sync to their music or something You know what I mean? Like right, this is yeah. a pre-recorded, th- and maybe and who knows? Maybe Travis Scott was actually like live. Rapping and singing, I don't know the specifics and maybe someone will do that, but it seems like that's much more limited than what was happening here and this time and the other times. And, uh, and but in Fortnite. a world
0: where we can't go to places, you know, I mean, hopefully that's something that's not going to last forever, but in a world where we all don't feel super comfortable being around thousands of people.
1: No, it's very cool. It's very cool. And I mean, people have been doing really great stuff with music for a while. And I, I like seeing people experiment and do new things. Like for the longest time, I've I'm a big fan of NPR's Tiny Desk Concert. Um, and that's different. You're not like going to space or doing whatever, but it's like, you takes a bunch of bands or awesome musicians, strips them down. And they literally would play like at this little desk in an office and you'd hear stripped down versions or different versions of songs. Um, and I think they're going to see a lot of artists do fun things in this virtual space, whether it's, you know, zoom acapella meetings or, you know, SNL experimenting with their second now week of stay at home, produce content that, they've got a graphics package person for for the second week and there's a lot more yeah there's a lot more effects a lot more effects which was great goes. i've been saying it for years it goes a long way a good graphic designer and some gfx um but i like this i like Fortnite doing this to answer your question jeff i would love to see a vr like there are vr concerts already um i think it has a couple of hurdles for it for vr and those are one like the nausea thing of just if people can handle it or not. And then the biggest one is barrier of entry. You know, Mike mentioned for Fortnite, like his barrier of entry was like, oh, I forgot to update Fortnite (laughs) for this. And that's it. That's the only barrier of entry. Anyone can do this on any device, like your phone, you can get in and experience this thing.
0: Um, Well, I'm imagining a future where we're all wearing glasses, you know? (laughs) I, I, I I think that's not that far away got it honestly but yeah i obviously and speaking of, you know you, you brought up saturday night live and you brought up vr concerts i i remember one of the first things i watched in in uh vr when i first got my oculus was the uh saturday night live thirty fortieth 40th anniversary episode yeah. that they did they put out in vr where you're sitting in the audience with all the like super a-list stars all around you and all i did was just turn and watch the the people in the audience reacting and they they don't realize that they're actually on camera also all the time. And that was fascinating. It's because like, Oh, Robert like Snyder hated
1: that joke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, it's a cool thing. And, and, and Mike's right. It's, 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 uh, it's something I should experience. I, now I'm, I'm so interested in what the next one is. And it sounds like, I don't know how much you can attribute to us all staying at home and, and this all being great content for staying at home, but it's, you know, almost 2 million more people that watched this one than the previous one, which was Marshmallow. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's trending upward and they're, they're still, uh, they're still growing. So we'll see if this just ever even plateaus, uh, (laughs) or if they're just going to continue being the place to go see concerts with uh, that many people at once. It's wild. Yeah. I'm just curious
2: who's going to try it next.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I mean, these have been some, some high profile artists, but we're not in the stratosphere of a Beyonce or a Justin Timberlake yet. I don't think we're far away
1: from Drake. Like Travis Scott was a good pick. He plays, he's, you know, streamed. Yeah. Was it a year ago, year and a half ago, Drake and Ninja, this thing's a success. I don't think we're far from something like that happening.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: Man, there are some good stories still. Um, because you and I both love it so much, Jeff, what I want to talk about are these Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or Horizon Zero Dawn sequel concepts or rumors or leaks. And so one. Wait, before we even get there,
0: I, uh, I assumed it was Horizon Zero Dawn and then it would be the sequel would be Horizon something else. Right? I thought Zero Dawn was the subtitle for the first game, not not that it would be Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or Horizon Zero Dawn a new beginning or whatever they would do. It would be Hor- Horizons the game and Zero Dawn was the first entry into the series. Is is
1: that am I crazy? I think it was called Horizon. Just It was Horizon, Horizon
0: Colon Zero Dawn. Yeah, but even when it? they
1: first announced it, I like E3 2014 or whatever, I think it was just like Horizon. And it was yeah. like that's a bland name and then that i i think well one these titles aren't official so there's a chance it could be two but i think they've landed on this branding now that i don't think you want to lose that name recognition Hmm. like like the last of us part two isn't called like there's more of us (laughs) (laughs) that's a little little apples and
0: oranges but okay
2: if it matters it's stylized without a colon on the box you've got horizon in large letters, and then Zero Dawn small underneath it. But there's no colon, and that could also be like a Ubisoft thing—how they never use colons in the Assassin's Creed names,
1: right? Yeah. Oh, so, the chat says the TM is after Dawn, so I trust hmm. I trust Mike well, and the chat. They would trademark. They would trademark. The,
0: I don't know. Well, I, I think yeah, it's well, cooler. What might
2: happen there is Horizon would be like a registered trademark, and then Zero Dawn would be just a just a TM. Mm. But right now, it is just the TM is after. After horizon zero dawn
0: we actually have the perfect person on this yeah. week to talk about that. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah you know exactly what you're talking about um i i don't know how, what your preference is everybody i'm curious what you guys both think but i actually think it's much cooler if the name is horizon you know first light or whatever you know we go from zero dawn to one or two what well, i don't know mm. what it would be but i think it would be cooler if zero dawn isn't in the second game's title
1: what do you guys think I'm going to go with, I like Horizon Zero Dawn as the full title, mostly because, and then I like kind of sequel names, mostly because I still cannot, if a gun to my head, it's 50-50, whether or not I get the current Tomb Raider games in order. <laughs> right, right. I just you want a number. You just need a number. I need, just give me a number. Yeah. If <laughs> the next one's called Horizon One Dawn and then Horizon Three Dawn, I, I I'm okay with that. But I need a number. What about you, Mike?
2: Um, yeah, I, I would love to see him do something cool like that. I, I agree though. Like obviously tomb Raider, the reboot, the first one's tomb Raider, but I can't remember which one I think <laughs> shadow was the most recent one shadow of the tomb Raider. Cause yeah. that's the one where, where, where stuff got real bad for, for Lara. Yeah. But, somebody's
0: yeah. rising. Somebody is doing something else. I don't know when, when, when along the timeline, do we rise? Do we uh shadow? I don't know. Yeah. But I anyway- I Ahead, I'd love Mike, to see sorry. him do
2: something. Oh, sorry. I'd love to see him do something cool, but
0: number numbers help. All right, Christian. So,
1: so the rumors I here. You. Yeah. The rumors here are kind of twofold. One is that it's a trilogy, a planned trilogy. Um, which who knows? You know, credibility of rumors. But when the former head of studio is now kind of the head of gaming, I feel like they they. Are supporting what Guerrilla Games is and was doing, which so I think there's probably a better chance that this franchise is given more room to run than maybe before. And then the other part of this rumor is that the sequel, or maybe it won't be the, the suit the actual official Horizon Dawn 2, but there's a co-op game kind of in development as well that may or may not be like the next step of the story. It might be like a stopgap or something else in this world. And I'm curious, uh, one, Mike, Jeff and I both loved this game. It was our game of show the year it came out. Um, and also our game of the year. It was both sorry, our game, of, yeah, game of the year. Yes, yeah,
0: yes. It was yeah. both,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious how much you like or, you know, what your feelings towards Horizon Zero Dawn are, Mike. And if you think co-op is a, an addition that you would get excited about to revisit this uh, universe.
2: I really liked it i didn 't finish it yet uh it's in one of those in progress things that I got distracted and need to go back to uh, but I have absolutely loved what i've played. I think co-op would be really interesting. I think you know taking down some of the larger robots would be very interesting if you had different players and you had to distract it with one so that you could get to the weak spot with the other one like I think that there's some some opportunity here for co-op that would be pretty cool uh as long as it doesn't disrupt the narrative flow because i think that that this game has so for open world games are are tricky with narrative to begin with you throw co-op in there then you've got do I have to play everything with my friend you know come on come on let's go come on let's go come on come on on, let's go go. (laughs) and and i'm the kind of guy who it's like oh crafting mats i'm gonna pick this and i'm gonna pick that and i'm gonna pick that and my partner's like she's like "Mm -mm, no no gotta go Next story, B. Let's go. I,
0: I want to listen to the person talking. No, no, moving on. We got f- 10 things to kill.
1: Yeah, you're trying to listen to something. Your partner triggers like the saber tooth that's like, like oh, no, you went too far. <laughs> yeah. You awoke I, the alligator.
0: I got to say, though, if if they do do a co op mode, it's got to be Aloy and Beloy, right? <laughs> right b or, uh, or or GTFO, right? It's hey Jeff, in Jeff,
1: Jeff, you no longer get to name the sequels, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, to me, as someone who's going to start playing this to stream it for St. Jude, um, for the fundraising I'm doing, to me, I feel like is co-op, does that already exist? And is it Monster Hunter World? Like, is that the approach yeah. like a pared down version of, again, haven't played, about to start. But like a less complex. Cause that sounds interesting to me of like, Oh, that's a game where you're taking down these big beasts working together. Story's never been the biggest part of those games, but maybe that's the angle.
0: Uh, first of all, we should say that the, the rumors all around this, which everybody's been saying for a while are that this is a PS five game and maybe even a PS five launch game. Uh, they say sources say that it is going to be gigantic in scope with a bigger emphasis on player freedom and a larger world. Uh, so all that sounds really exciting to me. I, I tend to get really super ramped up when a franchise says you're going to allow for co-op and then don't ever use that feature because I just can't. I Scheduling is hard at this point in my life with friends and which is super depressing because I always want to, because I remember those days of playing through Halo combat evolved in co-op with my friend the whole time. Cause we were sitting in front of the TV and we played through the whole thing on legendary difficulty and it was just amazing. And I, always just want to recapture those moments of playing things co-op and then ugh, life gets in the way time so. to get your
1: kids to cowboy up
0: you know i know right i'm <laughs> trying to train my son man we're, we're playing that mario he loves it you uh, gotta
1: level them both up you gotta you gotta his and hers right there come on that's a party of three you're ready to, <laughs> you're ready to go yeah uh
0: mike do you think this is a ps5 launch game or do you think it's later than that launch window
2: i'd hope i think we're far enough away from horizon zero dawn that a launch window sequel wouldn't be out of the question and in fact it would not surprise me given um that gorilla's obviously going to be in the lead here and herman holst is now the head of studios is his current title right now um he was just promoted um That wouldn't be a surprise to see this in a sizzle reel or as part of their reveal strategy. Like, hey, look at how beautiful this is. Oh, and then it turns around and it's Aloy. It's like, oh, it's huge. You know, a character we know and love in a series that we we really loved on the PS4. It's going to be even better on PS5. I absolutely see this as being a launch window game, if not a launch day game.
0: Uh, I love this game. And even the longer we get from it, the more it sort of raised in my estimation. I loved it at the time, as Christian said, we both gave it our game of the year that year. But I, you know, even as I've played more and more open world games since then, it, it's so well done. The story is fantastic. The world seems fresh and interesting. All of the trappings. Yes. It got a lot of, I think, uh, uh, criticism is the wrong word, but maybe people didn't, put it as high in their estimation as it could have been because it felt like a um a pastiche of a lot of other things it it felt maybe like it was just using a lot of established tropes that you've seen
1: before it came out the same week as zelda too where zelda was like climb everything and and horizon zero dawn was very much you know traditional and that was like you this rock you can climb this rock just as big can't climb
0: (laughs) i think you're right i i forgot that that data point, but you're right. It it got heavily overshadowed by Breath of the Wild as a lot of people think maybe it should have. I prefer it to Breath of the Wild personally, but this story says that it ended up selling over 10 million copies. So it's a, you know, it was a huge game. It's not, it it didn't, uh, it, it stood toe to toe with Breath of the Wild. That's for sure.
2: I think it served this interesting purpose of, hey, we do need to introduce some new IPs this generation. Whereas God of War was like, we're going to revisit a an IP you know and love in a very different way. This was, hey, this is a new IP. I don't know how many systems this sold, but I think a sequel will absolutely move PlayStation 5.
0: Yeah. Well, let's continue talking about upcoming things and reveals and the new consoles and continue to talking about the the, the shifting landscape that is E3 and 2020 in general and how things are going to be revealed because uh, we got new stories uh, from a, an analyst at Nico Partners who's talking about the idea that um, game reveals for both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, as well as a lot of next-gen games that would have been revealed during an E3 2020, which is now not happening are being rescheduled and are being shuffled around. So we've definitely heard that there are plans to do uh, digital press conferences from some companies. There will be the the Nintendo Direct style uh, videos from, from some companies talking about the things that they would have announced inside a press conference or at the E3 event. But it sounds like a lot of these companies are also recognizing the opportunity to not concentrate all of that stuff in the same week in June when everybody else would be doing it and that the entire calendar has now opened up and we are getting things that may be revealed earlier. Some may be revealed later and there will be a more staggered approach to, uh, the, what used to be a very, you know, machine gun of game, 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 all these huge things being announced all at the same time. We know that both Microsoft and Sony, still want to do big announcement moments for their next-gen slate. And I can imagine that when you are announcing new hardware, you would want to announce a bunch of games at once. But perhaps a lot of the third-party, big third-party publishers will spread things out. And I want to know, Mike, what you think about that. Do you think that from an end-user perspective, from a fan perspective, do you think that is better to have more things get more spotlights over a longer period of time? Or would you prefer that big marquee moment where everything seems to be happening and you get to see it all laid out in front of you?
2: I think there's value to both. And I think we are going to see those big marquee moments happening digitally. We know that the PC gaming show is happening uh, when it was Scheduled to happen during the week that was E3. And then IGN is doing its big thing with some publishers. But I think if you look at the white space around that and see which publishers haven't announced anything specific, those are the ones that might be shifting a little bit out. It gives our developers more time. Uh, they're not rushing to do a build or to do a trailer or any of those things that take away from development time. Maybe give them an extra month, an extra two months. Um, We know that Gamescom is going to be digital. So it could be that they're like, okay, well, if we're not going to do something in June, maybe we do it in July or maybe we do it around that Gamescom push. I think this is going to be a great summer for players. I think that there is going to be a constant flow of news uh, in a way that we haven't seen before because we're moving off of those two hotspots that E3 and Gamescom. centralization and yeah people are going to take advantage of that time in the middle and it's going to make for an interesting july
0: yeah, I'm kind of encouraged by it. I think certainly doing a show like this, it's more fun to have news that we can really sink our teeth into rather than trying to no. get through this parade of things all in three
1: days. Yeah, if it's all um, gonna be released like right after we record, though, you got to understand every week well, we'll that's, be like, well, that's a good show, and they will be like news. <laughs> that's more a function of us and our luck
0: than anything else. Uh, that's just that's just the the DLC <laughs> curse, I guess. It's uh, our Madden curse. Yeah, 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 but. Christian, do you like this plan? Is it to feel like, hey, it's cooler to have, you know, on a weird Thursday in some weird week in May or uh, July or whatever, there's a cool WB event. And then, you know, there's a June thing for Microsoft and there's a it's all just lots more blips to be excited about. Or do you do you want that big A-B testing version of, hey, everybody's showing their stuff who wows me the most?
1: I, I like the big press conferences. I enjoy them. I think they're fun to sit and watch and, you know, live tweet or watch live in person with friends. Uh, if, you know, I've been fortunate to go to the event. I think they're very fun. So the nostalgia side of me does miss that. But I also like, you know, watching things from the comfort of my home, own home and getting excited about things. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of people try it this year and it won't be great right this is going to be the marshmallow concert it's going to be very good but travis scott's going to do better next year you know like they're going to be figuring this out they're going to get the beats wrong they're going to come out too early um or it's it's just it's not going to be able to carry them through long enough there's going to be some awkward stuff but rockstar whatever they do whenever they do it they always seem to do it right in terms of promotion and scale they're a company that i think will continue to be fine without this. They sat out E3 most of the time. Anyway, I think Microsoft's digital showcase, whatever they're doing is going to be pretty excellent. Um, I'm a less optimistic that Sony's is going to be great. I th- I think it will be very good, but for so many years, Sony did such a great job at those live press conferences reacting because they were second, <laughs> you know, they were very fluid. And, and for years back from, The PlayStation 1, I think it was, you know, price point when they came out on stage and just dropped that hammer. Um, Nintendo's does really good at it. I think they'll continue to be great. I'm curious to see like Bethesda's transition, what WB does, because there is something about having all of your, you know, packing the front five rows with your rabid fans that brings a different energy. That said, you get to have a much more produced, official looking thing without awkward moments of the Wii remote, not working when you're trying to demo it for the first time, connect being a little janky the first time all the time. Um, Mm. So I, I I think most companies will be really, will do this really well. I think what they're going to, they might not get the traction out of it that they want because there will be something else coming later. The general news in the world, dominates so many headlines still And then in the United States, at least, as we start gearing up more and more and more towards November, election headlines are going to be bigger. So I think it's going to be harder to have the USA Today, you know, cover story thing that E3 used to bring some people. But I I do think we'll see companies get even smarter at this as it goes on.
2: I have a question for you guys. So one of the big challenges... This year is that it's a it's a console launch year, and you've got people who can't walk into stores, who can't go to a, a demo kiosk, who can't go to a public e three, or uh, or go to any of those public events like EA Play and get their hands on the next gen consoles. Do you think that's going to have an impact on how people, how consumers, how players approach the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X, so, given that they might not have a chance to touch it until when it's out, maybe?
0: I certainly think that it, there's going to be a lot of different. I, I mean, I think the bigger thing will be the crazy economic world we'll be in. Uh, if you're dropping a four to five hundred dollar new entertainment device on a world where there's ten to fifteen percent unemployment, I think that will have a huge impact. Hopefully, we're not there in November or whenever that happens, but there's a lot of question marks, uh, for that. And I, I think there are valid points to be made about not being able to go into a store or not being able to touch a thing. Uh, I would guess the people, I would guess the availability of these things is going to be limited anyway in 2020 and they will sell out easily their stock just with people like me who
1: doesn't Horns care them like just... toilet paper you have so many
0: <laughs> yeah by the way yeah uh, if you want you want yours uh, no i will um i will buy it no matter what because i'm i'm a sucker and uh and need to have the newest latest best so i'm i'm already you know in mentally and i think there are a lot of you know what people call hardcore or just just enthusiasts who are super excited about new hardware and have been chomping at the bit for a while that the limited availability of these things will be well, well spoken for. Um, but I do think over the longer term, I I think there will be a much slower cycle, much slower uptake on transition to a new cycle, which is why I think one of the reasons we're seeing these companies lean into the, Hey, everything is going to be available on everything mantra where it's, it's going to be more like, You know, I I anticipate us seeing Sony adopting a lot of what Microsoft has been saying, which is like, hey, Last of Us 2 is going to be a launch title for PS5, but you can play it on PS4. You know, there's going to be, I don't know if they'll do with Horizon Zero Dawn 2. I don't know how much of that is exclusive to the PS5, but we did read in that story that it started out life as a PS4 game. So maybe there are ways for them to spread things across multiple generations more. And I think that may just be a necessity going forward uh but christian what do you think
1: it's not one of our stories but those last of us two allegedly getting room story leaks it's bumming me out i want to play that game and i have to block so many terms on twitter now um we should be playing it right now right it should be out i think it's like may i thought oh, was it. it may yeah um, right. uh, anyway sorry i'm back um i i, I think Microsoft has spoken to this, right? And I don't think Sony has quite addressed it the same way other than like the Spider-Man load times or whatever. Um, I agree with you, Jeff, that I think there are enough of the enthusiast, uh, you know, audience that will snap up these consoles. I agree with you that I think they will be in shorter supply if they come out in 2020, which I still think is over 50%. I still think there's a greater chance that they do hit this year. Um, But I agree with Mike that I think for, the I don't want to say average, but like for a lot of people, I think this will be their first foray into console buying, where they don't see it at the store shelves. And a five hundred dollar, whatever it is, is too high of like a air quote impulse buy. But it's different when you are like, oh, I am going to go to Target. And, oh, there it's there. Oh crap! Oh, they have one. I am buying. You know, whatever that is. And I remember the first time I bought. I don't remember when, but I remember like the moment with my mom where I bought like all new school clothes for the first time, like online. Like to me, that was always like, (laughs) you're never going to, you never want to buy. Yeah. I'll buy some stuff online, but not clothes. I want to feel that I want to. And we were like, done. We bought it all online. Um, And I think consoles and tech is going that way too. Uh, You are are a junior in college.
0: (laughs) Your Mom bought you all your new clothes. It was adorable.
1: Yeah. Uh, No, college I (laughs) worked. Uh, track clothes everywhere i could um uh and i i remember small tangent we had to buy a new dishwasher not too long ago and it was a weird spot for us where we found the one we wanted by like doing you know like wire cutter or whatever right like tom's guy reading research stuff cnet whatever and then but we couldn't there were like two that we were kind of deciding between and we couldn't look at them anywhere like Home Depot didn't have that one. Sears didn't have that wall. It's like Best Buy had one, but not that. We went to like four stores to look at all of them because we wanted to make sure our we have a little larger dinner plate like fits in it. But we're in a place now where even that, it's like you buy it online, you don't see it. And so I think console, they're going to start that now too, and people will be okay It's without playing the Toys R Us kiosk of it. But I do think it will be a, a slower adoption for some folks because of that
0: love the idea of you walking into a Home Depot with your dinner plate to see if it'll fit in the, yes, we have a larger size dinner plate. Can we just bring it into the store? And
1: yeah, I'm not going to drop that much coin on a dishwasher and have it not work. you been with, you know, a free return, you know, how much of a hassle that is to get it uninstalled. And our dishwasher is incredible. And I love it.
0: So I have one more story that I want to, want to run by you guys, but first I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Brooklyn and my sheets. Oh, my sheets. Uh, We are staying at home these days, uh, and I hope you are too, dear listener. But when you're home, there are creature comforts that I think mean even more. Certainly, one of the ones that means even more to me is a very, very comfy bed because it feels like my sleep is even more precious to me these days. And Brooklinen is a company that is all about making small changes to your everyday life, that can lead to positive lifestyle changes. The right towel in the bathroom, the right loungewear, the right bedding. I, for one, have gone all in on Brooklyn. We have two sets of Brooklyn and sheets, and it's the only thing I'm willing to sleep on these days because it's so comfortable. It's that, it's that luxury feeling without the luxury price. Uh, I'm, I'm sold on it. I it was I didn't realize how scratchy my sheets were before I had Brooklyn and, and now I, I just don't want to sleep on anything else. Um, they offer lots more beyond the bedroom, by the way, as I said, there are these super plush towels that are ultra light. Uh, there are shower curtains. Now they have silk eye masks, even loungewear, uh, lounge wear making you feel like you've never even left your bed. Pretty great. I'm excited to try some of that stuff myself. I'm, I love a good towel. I want to try their towels. They're super plush. That sounds amazing. Because I'm so happy with our, our Brooklyn and sheets. They come in a variety of, of colors and styles. Um, we have two different ones. And you don't even really have to take my word for it. There are over 50,000 five star reviews and counting for Brooklyn, and people love them. Brooklinen.com is the perfect place to start making small changes that make big differences. And Brooklyn is so confident in their products that all of their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Lifetime. So go on, make yourself comfortable. You get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code D-L-C only at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com. Promo code D-L-C. Brooklinen. They're uh, delightful. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the last the last story I wanted to bring up, I, I we, we can't not comment on the Xbox Series X logo because evidently it has been revealed, although not officially, but there is a trademark page for the new Xbox Series X logo. Obviously, we are an audio podcast, so you can't see it, but I urge you guys to check it out if you have not because we're going to talk about it. And Mike, what do you think of the Xbox Series X logo? It seems very, it's very stark. Mm-hmm. It's very almost industrial looking. It's very, um, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? It almost looks like a, a caution sign. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of straight edges and lines. Yeah, so. it's,
2: it's sharp. It's a very sharp logo. I think one of the things that jumps out to me is they are really going for this motor vehicle like association where Xbox is the make and series X is the model. And that opens the door for them. I, I mean, I think it'll look better when it's on the hardware itself. The interesting thing to me is we didn't actually see the new Xbox logo when they redid it for the Xbox one until the day of the Xbox one reveal in May, 2013. Right. I I remember writing that story um so it's weird that we're kind of seeing it this early but it is a significant departure whereas the shift from xbox 360 to xbox one wasn't that major
0: yeah yeah it still had that that like um almost like a ninja you know It's had got the, the the sharp uh thin lines on the x this looks like a stencil this looks mm-hmm. like uh you know it's it's Right now it's black and white. We don't know if it'll actually be black black and white. And it certainly seems to be – it has series written, you know, flipped 90 degrees and written vertically and then this big X that looks stenciled. And it certainly seems to be um, setting up series whatever, series Y, series A, series B, whatever they're going to do mm-hmm. uh, as uh, this line of consoles, as we've heard rumored for quite a long time with a very inexpensive one that – that um you know, is more like a just a, a web box, um, so maybe that's part of the branding idea. Um, Christian, what did you? What's your take on the logo?
1: I like it, and I agree with Mike. I think it is leaning into that automobile and something that Apple had tried before too, with like the S or the XR, and how you kind of differentiate within a a same model line. And I think you know Microsoft hasn't necessarily hidden the fact that they're looking to do that and both sony and microsoft have done it this gen as well with the pro and uh one x and i think designing assuming this is the real deal that they use designing a logo around that makes sense where you have xbox and then what it is and i think that works well going forward as well i mean it's not as elegant as horizon zero dawn the day after the dawn but you know it works i think um zero plus one dawn (laughs) horizon Um. zero dawn the prequel uh wait. <laughs> uh but I like it. I think it looks good. I think it ma assuming again this is legit, the but the image that is out it was trademarked, I think it fits the design of the box very well and it's 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 um you know sharp corners right angles or whatever right like it it fits a rectangular prism style shape well it's not doesn't it's not breathing you know the way the xbox 360 was inhaling or whatever so i think it it all works pretty well and i think it also on the top or like a side of the series x it kind of has those vents i think it looks like it could fit around that area too i I i think it works and i'm excited to see you know what, they do in terms of the other series. I think that's the thing that excites me the most and see how they support and how games kind of drive across all of their family of hardware.
0: I'd like to see them just double down on X's. You know, we got Xbox Series X and we have Xbox One X. I think the next one should be Xbox Series XX.
1: Well, I hear Dave Mira triple x is going to be a launch title on it. So they're bringing the franchise back. Oh, yeah, Dave
0: Mira. Oh, oh acclaim. <laughs> all right speaking of games let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist let's start with the big new release mike i know you have been playing predator hunting grounds as have i mm. um so well uh, what do you think of it predator hunting grounds made by the same folks that gave us Friday the 13th, the video game, which started out as a, a, a joke of a hilarious uh, glitches and weird errors and turned kind of into a thing people really love. Um, Predator Hunting Grounds, another 80s uh, franchise, film franchise, turned into an uh, um, asymmetrical, competitive, first-person, well, not even first, it third-person, really, game. Um, what do you think of Predator Hunting Grounds?
2: I am a sucker for four v one, and this is scratching the itch. It is, man. It's it's better than our initial experience would have led us to believe because we had massive problems last night with people receiving invites and getting into a lobby. And there's some UI and UX stuff, but man, once you are in and you're and you've got four people in this fire team, and it's set up just like the '80s movie where the, where you're four soldiers. They have a thing that they've got to do, and the predator's like, I'm gonna mess up your day. And uh that whole that whole shift on the formula where the four players aren't hunting the predator. Yes. They are they are doing they're they're on a mission, and the mission has like three random objectives that are that are put together into kind of a little, little bit of narrative. Um, like you have to go and find this money, and then you have to destroy the money, and then you have to go. Upload something, and all the while the predator is jumping around in the trees doing predcore, which
0: super (laughs) drone worthy. (laughs) I know it's literally says that in the menu. Predcore is the movement style of the predator. You know, it's a really predcore. Okay, it's in the
1: movie. You don't, but he he yells it just like in the office. Predcore, (laughs) predcore, predcore. Because he calls himself the predator. The last thing you hear before you get killed is predcore. (laughs) Expletive, and then you know.
0: I totally agree with you Mike that the genius is that the the it's a 4v1 but the four are playing a cooperative campaign mode. They're playing a cooperative campaign game against the the CPU. They're you're fighting uh, AI controlled bad guys and racking up point I'm playing a game, a normal game. I'm playing a normal third person shooter game. I'm playing Ghost Recon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Along comes another player who's super powerful hunting me at the same time. That little tweak to the formula is huge because all of a sudden now you feel like you feel like you're being hunted. You feel like this normal progress of things that you've done in many video games over and over is disrupted by this wild new feeling of, of not being safe all the time. Cause you're, you're dealing with bad guys that you would be dealing with in a video game that are, you know, trying to flank you and, you know, coming out and you, you're defending a spot where they're going to come and try to stop you from, you know, hacking their mainframe and all that stuff that you do in video games, but also another player who has superpowers is hunting you. <laughs> it's so, I, I did not, these are not the kinds of games that I love. These are not the kinds of games that I tend to enjoy and, and play a lot. I, I'm not super into multiplayer only shooters. It's just not the kind of games I prefer. I am shocked at how much fun I'm having with predator hunting grounds. Shocked.
2: It's, uh, it's definitely a thing and it's brutal. Like even when you're just playing as the fire team and you're shooting the AI, like taking a shotgun to some like soldier's head and then it just, disappearing it's it's bloody i mean it's not just the predator who's doing gross bloody stuff
0: yeah <laughs> and the, the predator it, you know so it is a multiplayer only game you queue for matchmaking. making i know you've been playing with friends and i want to hear how that goes but i've been queuing up uh, in quick play and basically the the wait times are like 20 seconds if you want to be one of the fire team or five minutes plus if you want to be the predator So I've basically not played the predator very much at all. So I really can't speak to that too much, but I have played enough of the predator to know that I think that they really nailed the movement and the feel of a character that I know and I'm familiar with from the films, but also a a character that feels very powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it going into the infrared that we all know from predator movies actually is useful uh his loadout at least the you know the first level version you this game also has a progression path and you can open up more powerful accoutrement for you know for predator to be using weapons and, and things but the early ones you have you know his spiky uh wrist knives and you have um um that cool the triple shoulder dot laser yeah yeah but it's it feels awesome how you mm-hmm. lock on with it and shoot it i mean it feels like the movie It's really well done and as you said that that pred core which feels a little bit like um which assassin's creed is the one where they introduced climbing through trees you know that was the american revolution one i think uh, ac3 yeah yeah uh, wh- where i thought they did a really good job in ac3 of making you feel like jumping from treetop to treetop and along branches and stuff uh, was fluid, but I feel like this game takes it to a whole other level of just how being in the trees is better. it's it's preferred. You just mm-hmm. feel more powerful up there. yeah, i I like it,
2: and you know navigating it can be a little tricky, but uh, there are times where you do want to like jump onto the ground, and the leap mechanic where you hold i think it's on the controller it's the r1 button um and then you can as you're coming down hit the the trigger and like slam into somebody which do a huge amount of damage but you have to be really smart because if you if you hit one person and and the rest of the fire team is right there you're gonna get hurt the predator is really strong but it's also he's also kind of squishy
0: yeah if you're not careful My first two games, I – believe me, I'm not good at these kinds of games. My first two games, I got predator kills both times. But then both times I also died from the predator exploding in a Mm -hmm. massive
2: explosion. (laughs) I took out all of my friends in uh, in an explosion the first time because we didn't know – Exactly. They didn't know what was going on. So I had the benefit of, ha ha ha, you're all noobs right now. And after well, also, that, the radius, the radius is huge. Oh, it is. That thing. You have to yeah. run like there is a way to disarm it. Apparently, if you shoot oh, really? his mask off and then you can, there's like this, this disarming thing. We haven't figured it out yet, but there is a way to survive that and completely defeat the Predator. Yeah, But, like, kneeling on the ground while you're, like, self-destructing and laughing, because the Predator, he has this deep, throaty laugh as he's, like, getting ready to explode.
0: Yeah. PredCore. <laughs> <laughs> it is, um, they do a really, really good job of adding in a lot of horror-like elements. I mean, obviously, they made the Friday the 13th game, which is a straight-up horror game but recognizing that predator isn't just an action movie. It is a little bit of a horror action movie. And you know, there I've been playing with headphones on and you are, you know, as the fire team, which side note, much more fun to play than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a game where like, all I want to do is play as predator, but the fire team is really fun to play. And, you know, you'll be doing this normal mission and trying to accomplish all your goals and, you know, splitting, you know, keeping the team together or splitting up or whatever you're doing to to, to do all the little objectives that you need to do. And then all of a sudden in your ear, you hear that, uh, that, that predator sound. Or hear him on cloak. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, he's there. And, or you'll see a shimmer, you know, uh, of the cloak device shimmer in the distance on the trees. And you're like, oh, there it is. And then you'll, or you'll see the. The laser, you know, the shoulder cannon laser thing, aim at somebody. It just—it's such a cool feeling of spotting him and feel like you're being hunted and trying to fight back and everybody booking it to the next place. And I'm shocked at how much fun I'm having with this game. It's really there's not a lot to it, honestly. It—it it, it feels like even the progression feels a little thin, uh, and and even you know in the very little amount of time I've played it, there are also loot boxes with cosmetics. I think I've opened like the same cosmetic three or four times, you know? So it's like, clearly there's not a lot here yet, but it's, it's very promising and and a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's not a full price game. It's $40 for the standard edition 60. If you want to get the, like there's some additional cosmetics with
0: like a digital... Collector's edition.
2: One tip when you're playing the fire team, um, are you playing on controller or are you playing on
0: keyboard? Yeah, I'm playing on PlayStation 4, so I'm playing on controller.
2: Okay. I'm playing on PC with a controller for the most part too. Um if you tap up on the D-pad when you see the Predator, you actually mark them until they uh until they're out of sight. So you get a little bit of advantage. So even if uh the predator is jumping through the trees, you can as long as you don't break line of sight, you can kind of call out where where it is
1: but it
2: only lasts for for a short amount of time because a smart predator will get the heck out of there and try to circle around
0: yeah it's 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 fun and you know as the predator if you need health you'll have to like eat a wild boar and it's there's cool stuff like it has it's it's clever it's fun the the movement mechanics as a as a predator are i found to be really fun and really feel powerful um it's, I just, I didn't expect much from it, to be honest, and it exceeded my expectations. So I guess that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it. Um, and Christian, you know, I don't really love these games. There was a time Christian where we kind of thought these asymmetrical four V one games were kind of going to be the next big thing. And then evolve didn't really go anywhere. And there were a few other ones that just sort of kind of languished a bit and it it never really became a very big
1: subgenre, Um, but they are kind of fun. Well, I think they're very fun. I have yet to play Predator. Um, I think what happened is Battle Royale, to be perfectly honest. And mm. we talked about it. I forget who wrote the article, so I apologize to that individual. Maybe it was a series of tweets, but like the fun of Battle Royale, how you're always having – even when you lose, you're having fun because you're in the next game. and. Remember that Jeff we talked about, yeah, yeah, um, and I think that that's what and I haven't played Predator, but that's what these four v one style games kind of lack um, or had lacked before, where you get to a point where you're like, well, this I'm not having fun, and I think I think uh, Battle Royale kind of upended this, but I like this style of gameplay, and I think when done properly, it's, it's very engaging. And speaking of a game that I want to come back, so slight tangent, and then we can get back to this Pac Man Championship Edition two. It's currently free, I believe, on all platforms. Steam, not not Switch. Um, I don't know if they can buy yeah, it. Xbox, still.
2: PS4, and PC.
1: And PC. And it is Switch excellent. Is, Switch is the place though I'd want to play it most, though. Yeah, I think Switch has a, technically, it's a different game. It might be like DX. It's not actually Championship 2. It's an excellent game. Pac-Man Championship Edition, any version of it, is an excellent game. And it reminded me, and Predator and all of this, reminded me of Pac-Man Versus which is an arcade game that's out kind of now or was at arcades. Um, and also it was an incredible game that was on GameCube where you'd plug in your GBA, connect to your GameCube. One person would play as Pac-Man on the GBA and you'd have like the full screen and everyone else would be looking at the TV and playing as ghosts. Yeah, and your, I remember that, oh, dude. i cool. played a lot of that. It was yeah. so
0: good. And your quadrant You needed to buy that that goofy peripheral to even
1: allow that to happen. You needed but, the adapter cable to get to yeah. the GBA to the GameCube. Yeah. And on the TV, as a ghost, you couldn't see the full screen. You could just see like your circle, but when you got close to Pac-Man, it'd go wide. So you'd be like, Top left, top left. And like the other ghost would go there. And meanwhile, Pac-Man is playing just standard Pac-Man. I love that game. And I think they tried to do it one other time, too. But I want that game to come back, especially now with, like, social distancing. I want that game with, like, also video camera. So, like, the top right screen is, like, a four quadrant of everybody's face of everybody playing. And then you're oh, – anyway, tangent. So, I there's love some, the idea of this style of game is what I'm saying.
0: There's some PSVR games that are kind of like that, too, where one person's in VR and the other people are not – and, uh, and I think that some switch stuff like that too, right. Where anyway, but I think there's, um, where one person has a control over more a more powerful thing and, or is doing a more powerful thing. I mean, even, even keep talking and no one explodes yeah. is a little like, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, which is great.
1: Yeah. And I love stuff like that. And then the chat says that hero shooters maybe upended this, uh, style of game more than battle Royale. I don't disagree, but I would say both <laughs> like other things came along that, that, give either a feeling of instantaneous, always fun or satisfied that feeling of, I feel different enough that unfortunately this game requires to be its best. Some both playing the predator and the soldier both need to feel fun, but they need to feel different. And I think that's very hard to do.
0: They they nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, playing the soldier feels like you're playing a, a regular first person shooter and, uh, and it just happens, you happen to be hunted by another player. <laughs> so cool. it's not, yeah, I think it's cool. Um, let's also talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. I, I've talked about it a few weeks now, but uh, I know reading your your tweets, Mike, as I, I follow you normally, um, you, you were talking about going back to the original game too, right? Um,
2: I played a little bit of it. I, there was, what jumped out at me with Remake was when you meet Aerith for the first time, it struck me, how well they translated the original game into the way she looks in mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Obviously, there is a huge gap in graphical quality. There's a huge gap in time that's gone between these two games. But if I if I think about what Aerith looks like in my mind's eye, she looks exactly like she does in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I think that's a testament to how well they captured the essence of the game, even while making massive changes to it.
0: Yeah. The costuming is so interesting to me because they had just a few polygons in the early games and yet the costumes feel like oh that's what they were that's what she was wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's but of course it's much more detailed and uh realistic. So uh, Are you enjoying the game?
2: I am. I'm only I'm right at the end of chapter 4, I think. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm not super far into it, but I'm I'm loving the materia system. I I'm enjoying you know, kind of the way they're they're fleshing out this part of the story. Obviously, one of the big questions going into this was how are they turning Midgar into its own game? When that yeah. wasn't that huge a section of the original, but I think they're doing a really good job with character development for Biggs and Wedge and Jesse, and making it all really interesting. And that combat system is fantastic.
0: Yeah the the world building I think is the biggest strength of of the remake. It, it is. I mean, it, it was a strength of all the final fantasy games, they really do a good job of creating these interesting places. And I think the double down, the doubling down of that in, in the remake is impressive. And they really thought through all of the locations and how it all works together and all the, the relationship between the slums and the, you know, the, the city sections. And, um, you really get a sense that it feels like much more lived in place than ever before, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and and I'm, I know I'm still pushing my way through it. And I, somebody sent me an email, uh, saying, Hey, you know, every time you talk about final fantasy seven remake, you're harping on something and talking negatively about it. And then you end by saying, but I really like it and I'm still playing. Um, and I, I feel like I might be doing that again this week, but, uh, it's, I guess it's because so much of it is excellent. The things that are my gripes stick out more, uh, and I tend to, to bring them up, but, you know, the game does a lot of things very, very well. World building, one of them. Visual, another. Um, I, I. It's hard, you know, us talking about Horizon Zero Dawn at the beginning of the show. It's difficult for me to not compare games like Horizon Zero Dawn or Assassin's Creed Odyssey to something like a Final Fantasy VII remake. Obviously, this is remaking something that's very much older. But there's 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 so many things where I feel like it comes up short in in uh, comparison to those games Uh, like side quest writing. And uh, it, it feels so much of what you do in the side quest just feels like padding and doesn't really actually feel interesting. Whereas I think both of the games I mentioned, Horizon Zero Dawn and Assassin's Creed Odyssey have such interesting side quests that I am really drawn to do them. I feel like I do the side quests in final fantasy seven remake because they're there because I need, I want the XP. I'm just sort of grooving along. It's not particularly interesting for me to track down cats or, you know, talk yeah. to all the little kids that are smacking things with wooden swords or, you know, it, it, it feels more like tedium. And I feel like the writing could be stronger. I feel like the voice acting could be stronger. I feel there are there are things that have improved that this game I don't feel like is has caught up with yet. And maybe that's baggage from being an older game, but I don't think so because so much of the other parts of it are improved and have caught up. So I don't know.
2: There's one thing that Horizon Zero Dawn does really well with regard to side quests. It references them later. It it does make them feel like, okay, you did this thing. And yes, technically you didn't have to do this thing, but it makes it feel less like a side quest and more of just texture for the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, it really, it really rewards the time you put in by making it feel like it was, it was invested wisely. It wasn't just an XP grind. It was something that contributed to the story that they're telling Mm -hmm. over a longer period. Yeah. Yeah, and I I just get so frustrated when it, you know, it pulls command out of my hands and makes, you know, I'm moving through tight spaces at an excruciatingly slow pace, and it sort of almost takes takes control of it for me, and then doesn't, and I still have to push forward. There's so many little nitpicks that I have in what is otherwise a really excellent package, um, that I just, it's enough that I go, man, I just. I don't have those kind of gripes with a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Horizon Zero Dawn. I just don't. Um,
2: I, I wonder how much of that is. I don't know what your machine sounds like when it's running it, but my PS4 sounds like it's going to take off. When it's <laughs> running Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I yeah. wonder, I mean, again, this, this is a game that, that if you buy it physically, comes on two discs, you install the data disc and you play on a play disc. So again, it gives you a, a sense of the scope of the game and the size of the game. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of that is simply going to be alleviated as we transition to the next generation with solid state drives. Because some of that slow yeah. moving, through, moving through tight spaces is, is loading. And I think about like um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which did that right. a lot. Where you yeah, have those space transitions. Loads.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. Good point. Uh, maybe I should you know, wait and play Final Fantasy VII Remake on my PlayStation 5 someday. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're just sliding right through those tight spaces. Uh, um, like clouds all greased up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I love a good grease cloud. Um, but that's not the only Final Fantasy you're playing. I know a lot of people are really high on uh, Final Fantasy XIV right now, which is... Uh, Still, you know, what a, what a wild story of that game. That, yes. How you know, it has, has really been a phoenix and has become really one of, I think, the most celebrated MMOs out there now. It is. And that a Realm Reborn
2: remake, when they, they launched it, it failed. They spent the money and the time to, to rebuild it. Now it's, now it's huge. I don't play MMOs. Uh, I have tried multiple MMOs. None of them have hooked me when we were deciding that we were going to sit down and play Final Fantasy fourteen, Manda and I, like, she's like, you're going to hate it. you were absolutely going to hate it. You don't like MMOs. I'm like, well, look, it's let's try it for a month and see what happens. And, boy, it's so good. There is so much to it, and the crafting, like, crafting in games in general can be pretty tedious, but there's actually a really interesting crafting mechanism here um, where you you have to look Think about how much, you know, how the quality of the item at any given time and, you know, which skills you're going to use. And because high quality means so much more than than regular, when, especially when you're making it for, for a combat item. So I've actually taken, we're, we are almost at level 50, which was the level cap for A Realm Reborn. The story in A Realm Reborn is eh, but I hear it gets a lot better. And which is great because I'm looking forward to. I think Heaven's Ward is next, uh, but like I'm level fifty with six of the six of the class, uh, the crafting classes or two gathering classes and four crafting classes, and I'm almost level fifty in common. This is more time than I've ever spent in any MMO, and I am excited about it.
0: Is that because you're a Final Fantasy fan, or is it just something specific about this game that works for you?
2: It's. I I, I am a Final Fantasy fan. I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy fan. But there is just something about this game that really works. And there's a lot of quality of life stuff in there that they have refined over time. And we have friends who've been playing uh, since... You know, since the beginning, and they're like, okay, well, this actually is improved. Like, we have, we get this like living history of the game when we're playing with them because they talk about like, okay, well, crafting or leveling, it used to be you couldn't access this job unless you had leveled these two other jobs to a certain point. So you couldn't get that access to this combat class, even though it was in the base game. And now it's like, nope you can have any combat class right from the beginning and some of them mature. Like I started out as a Lancer, but then at level 30, I was able to turn into a Dragoon and that's
0: awesome because now I can. (laughs) And that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, yeah. And every time we have, uh, Heather Alexandra on the show, she goes on and on about how much she loves Final Fantasy 14. And, you know, it, it, it clearly is a beloved MMO at this point, people re it's really working. And I'm so glad cause I tried it when it first launched and it just didn't hook me. And I know it's very much a different game now than it was, but, um, you know, MMOs are, as you said, they're, they're, a they're a daunting, you have to fall in love with them. You really have to really commit. And, uh, so, I haven't yet, but man, uh, someone, talks in,
2: about someone in the chat asked if it still has a monthly sub it does the there's a lower tier one where if you only have one character that's I think after tax for me is twelve dollars and eighty cents a month. uh, but there is a free trial now that they just they just improved it um on both p c and PlayStation four that allows you to play um okay, so the free trial dumped it's like time restriction or something like that. You get to play up to a certain level now, I think
0: all right. Very cool. It's Final Fantasy 14. Uh, I know both you and Christian are still crossing those animals. Mm. Um, Christian, you want to jump in and talk a little Animal Crossing with Mike?
1: Um, I still love it. My kids are still nightmare island owners in it. Just like, oh, no. Just, <laughs> just dump their stuff anywhere. Like There's no order. There's no reason. It's like, oh, I caught another one of these zebrafish. Plop it here. Why are you going to put... Go sell it. you know what that is christian that's, that's that's just bad parenting is what that is it, yeah well yeah and their mom keeps sending them letters too so it's the mom in the game the dad never sends you a gift in the animal crossing thanks a lot deadbeat animal crossing dad um <laughs> I still, I really love the game. I've been playing some nighttime Animal Crossing and my goal is just to show them like a really nicely organ. like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Dad's house does have multiple rooms. Like why? Cause I had focus when I played kids, I knew what I was going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's real. I mean, it's hard for me to say, you know, anything else about the game that I haven't said, Jeff, I know I'll never get to convince you to play it, but it is just so dang magical. And oh, also, and then I'll let Mike only praise the game, as I'm sure he will. But Gary Whitta's, uh animal talking. Oh, my goodness. So delightful. And I can only imagine the time he put in to build his little set. little I'm not trying to be uh, dismissive of it, but, you know, actual in the game world. And I'm so excited for the plans there. Elijah Wood, the story of Elijah Wood going, mm-hmm. getting in the turnip market. Like it is a game that gives me delight, even when I'm not playing in the, in the headlines and the stories, It was a game that brought me that before it even came out with the crossover with doom and, you know, the fan art <laughs> <laughs> people were doing. And it's just, it's a real treat to see my oldest now in our museum that they finally built. Um, go in and like want to actually be interested about the animals in there. Because there's also that story too of like the science teacher giving, we talked about half-life Alex, how they taught on the the window in VR, but people have done like real guided museum tours in their animal crossing museums. And my daughter like loves uh aquarium and, and loves like learning about at one point she wanted to be a Marine biologist. You know, she's four or whatever, whenever she was, she's like, I, I want to do that. Um, and she still is interested in all that stuff. So like she'll go in there and I can see like her wrestling with like the interesting information, but then also wanting just to go like run amuck in the world <laughs> like pull at her. She's like, Yeah, 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 I don't care about this fish anymore. And then she just goes and wreaks havoc. But I I still love it. Mike, I'm curious, like when you played, do you have focus and gold and are you like grinding out the turnip market all the right ways? Or are you kind of just going in and picking some weeds?
2: I uh, I no, I, I go in with a purpose. Uh, not the same purpose that my partner Amanda has. She is re she is in the process of redesigning her island, and I'm just wildly impressed. Like she has a patio cafe, and she's been. I, I showed her how to uh, how to download um, the designs using the QR codes in the app. So she's done a ton with that. She's like has like this custom kitchen with. Uh, with ca- with like cabinets that she downloaded, uh, that are essentially they're just like two dimensional. It's like going into an IKEA, um, <laughs> but it's really really neat. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I have like paid off all of my home loans. I have bridges that connect everything. I've got inclines. I, you know, I, when I go in in the morning, like I have this, like I have this silly ritual that I go into my house. I pick out my clothes for the day. I find my four fossil spots. I find my money tree. I find my money rock. I find my money spot. Um, I, you know, I see what's at, at, at Mabel's so I can see, like see what new fashions there are mostly. Cause I'm just interested in all the, the weird, like costume pieces at this point. Um, yeah, it's and and I am playing the turn up market. Like I'm I'm big into the turn up market right now. I, I found somebody who was selling low or buying or selling low today. I'm gonna we I'm in a group, so once somebody hits big like above 500, I'll know about it. We'll get the Dodo code. We'll fly over, make a ton of money, because now I've got the new Nook store, so they're selling ridiculous things for like a hundred thousand bells. <laughs> so I got to, I got to build up the, they got to build up the bank account. I'm still only three stars though. I'm working on the, I'm working on flowers. I have hedges
1: now. I'm never going to. Yeah. I'm it's our man. It's, it, we, it's, it's, a. Uh, eh, it looks like, um, where Brad Pitt lives in, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, you know what I mean? It's a trailer <laughs> park. It is an unorganized, like a 1960s. You live behind a uh, drive-in theater. It's bad. My kids are bad. They, part of me, like, I don't. I, I, they say, you know, when you have kids, the anecdote, like, you start hearing your parents in your own voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my dad doesn't listen to this. It's fine. Uh, hey, dad. Happy birthday, dad. Um, but he would say, mostly to my older brother, hi, Henry, sorry. Um, like, well, you know, he's not going to take care of it. Like if he wants to save up something, he, he could never buy that. He'll never take care of it. I mean, just look at his room. And that was always like the, <laughs> like his room was a mess. Therefore, he shouldn't get these Jordans or you know whatever it is. Um, and I now think that I hear my dad saying that about my kids in Animal Crossing. Like, what did I expect their an- uh, island would look like? Look at their room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, our our little terror. So we have we have three switches in the house and uh because manda decided that she was going to get the animal crossing one it's so beautiful. she she originally started vivi on her switch and it, within within five minutes of starting tearing down fences pulling stuff we're like <laughs> okay we're moving you to the other switch now like you need <laughs> to stop so she's got this remnant <laughs> of vivi's reign of terror on our island she's like I, can, I gotta get rid of this tent i gotta progress her far enough that she has a house because never i just forget. can't
0: never
1: forget delete <laughs> the was... account delete delete the user profile get it out of there Whoop. can you can you do that i think so i have i needed because yeah. my daughter yeah. has two but uh anyway yeah like i said real uh trash bin of an island my island <laughs> <laughs> Oh man,
0: Animal Crossing. Uh, I also want to talk about one one last thing, Mike, that you have been playing. And every time our friend Lana Bashinski comes on the show uh, from Riot, she talks about Ring Fit Adventures. And now, actually, just the other day on her Twitter feed, I saw pictures of all the all of the weight loss she's had from just doing Ring Fit Adventures. She said, "Just Ring Fit Adventures," the only thing that she's been doing, and amazing she loves it she thinks it's so fun we've talked at length about it on the show but she's really the only person i've talked to in in irl you know in real life that that uh, that has it and has been using it what is your experience with the ring fit adventure
1: speaking of the up market are you gonna send kids to school with this thing <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel guilty talking about it a little bit, only because it's so hard to find right now. I don't think Nintendo... I, well, obviously, they weren't prepared for our current situation, where people were like, oh, I would totally love a game that helps me work out. So it's really hard to find. But I, I've been doing it. I'm on day... I've done it for 29 days over about six weeks, because uh, I've mixed in some VR workouts as well. And it's it's a good workout. Now... If you like running in place, because uh, you're running in the game and you strap on the on the strap and you got the, the the Joy-Con on your left leg and you've got one attached to the Ring-Con, so it kind of knows when you're running and it knows when you're high stepping to go upstairs, and the Ring-Con is really responsive for the most part. Uh, but it's it's a tough workout. I, I finished the first day and I was like, this 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 is a video game. Why am I? why am I feeling like it kicked my butt? And over time, I've been able to up the difficulty. I am moving through the game. I think I've finished something like 12 worlds. I'm a, it's an RPG and you right. slot your different skills. Uh, so there's legs, arms. I, I mean, you guys have talked about this, so so you're familiar with the basics, but uh, it's, it's a really good workout. There are some, I have some nitpicks about it. Um, just that, there are not all of the the exercises for all the the different parts of the body progress at the same rate so you could end up with not having an arm exercise that's as strong as your leg abs and yoga exercises hmm. so it is a game and that does impact the gameplay of it because each of the different color enemies are vulnerable to different types of attacks
0: um and it's fun like that's the yes. most important part for me oh, is yeah. that you as a game Regardless of the workout, it's it's fun enough that you want to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. I would say it's fun enough that I go for longer than I realize I'm going
0: for. Yeah, that's great. See, that's that's the key I think to something like that is that you you push yourself not because you feel like oh I got to finish my workout, but because you're actually engaged.
2: Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it it does the job. It it definitely gamifies the workout routine in a way that. um gets people to come back and it's encouraging and it's all the things you need to work out to be in order to feel good when you're done. Um, The, the biggest challenges about it are if, the joy-con strap slips a little bit and it isn't on the right part of your leg. Some of the exercises don't read terribly well. And a lot of those are the ones where you're on the ground without the ring con where you're doing like knee to chest or, uh, some of those, if it doesn't read quite well, then you, there's a little bit of, of momentary discouragement. Like, well, I know I did that. Like, why isn't it giving me the credit that I know I should get in terms of beating the crud out of one of these little cute monsters.
0: I love, I love that this game – I say this every time we talk about it, but it started out as, as, a, as a butt of a joke for me, you know, like some weird Nintendo being Nintendo, uh, and it's turned into actually the little engine that could. It's People dig it. It's fun. It's effective. Good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be, have been so wrong. Uh, I also – I don't know if anybody saw a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about that the dude who plays – who streams video games, mostly Dark Souls, uh, using weird controllers, oh, yeah. just finished Dark Souls – Two Dark Souls? I don't, can't remember which one. Um, using only the Ring Fit controller. That's wild. The video is him just drenched in sweats. <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, you know, Mike's here, and he, he does a lot of writing about tabletop games. He's played VR, so we're going to try to get to a lot more fun stuff. But first, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Audible. You hear me talk about Audible a lot recent weeks just because they want me to inform you about a new scripted audio commentary. Commentary. A new scripted audio comedy written by John Lutz of SNL and 30 Rocket stars Paul Rudd and an all star comedy cast, uh, Jack McBriar, Paula Pell, Amber Ruffin, so many others. Uh, it's called Escape from Virtual Island. It is set on a remote luxury resort island in the year 2038 where adventure seekers flock to live out their wildest fantasies in custom made virtual reality simulations. Uh, when an important guest goes missing, a ragtag search party led by Paul Rudd's maladjusted resort air plunged deep into the world of VR in hopes of returning with the lost guest and some sense of reality. Start your spring off completely lost in comedy delight escape from virtual island you can listen free with a 30-day trial just go to audible.com slash virtual island or text virtual island to
2: 500
0: 500 i have been playing a ton of vr lately i think maybe it's a combination of being stuck in the house and wanting to feel like I'm in another place in time and also having finished Half-Life Alex and just craving more awesome experiences in VR. I've, I've just been – I've been playing lots of VR stuff uh, and I know you and I both played uh, The Room VR recently, Mike. Mm, yes. Um, pretty fun, right? Pretty cool. Yeah. Like, combination of an adventure game and kind of an escape room uh, idea. Have you played the the mobile games? I haven't. Well, that's not true. I. I I um, dabbled with them, with them, but I didn't really play them in earnest. I've heard they're very, very good. They're, they're excellent.
2: Good. Oh, so good. Uh, they've just gotten better and better, and the Room VR takes all of the evolution of the mobile games, which are now like on PC, and uh, some of them are even on Switch at this point, and just does very cool stuff with it.
0: Yeah, yeah it it becomes very physical, like mm-hmm. physical manipulation of items. And it's a lot of like puzzle boxes and cranks and levers and stuff, which all work so well in VR.
2: Yeah, it's it, that was what, it, what attracted me to the mobile ones as well, because they really make it, it becomes very tactile. Mm-hmm. And and that's always something that is challenging in VR where you have to bridge that divide. It's weird, like uh, Vader Immortal when I played it, one of the things that jumped out at me was like how cool it was to climb ladders in that
0: game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So, and I feel like the same thing about the room VR, it always has that, it, it has a very creepy, almost Lovecraftian element to
0: it. Um, yeah. It's very Lovecraftian. That's for sure. Yeah. It, it, it does a lot of that psychological stuff and, and it's, it's, it's neat. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to play anything after half-life Alex for me, just from a, visual standpoint but it, it's mm-hmm. competent and it, it it's clever it's smart i i like the construction of the puzzles uh, i'm not super in love with the teleportation of you know node to node mm-hmm. but it works for a game like this right where you need to be standing here and you're just going to work on this puzzle and figure I, I mean it's basically an escape room so i can't really say i should be able to roam around the room there's no reason to it, it does everything it needs to do and it does it pretty well
2: for you know i one of the earliest vr games that i fell in love with was i expect you to die so when they announced that the room was coming to vr i was like okay it's gonna take all of the the cool little escape elements i love from i expect you to die and bring them you know into this setting that i that i've i played the first three room games i think there's four on mobile uh man i love i love that franchise i love everything that they've that they've evolved it into. So I, I'm super excited. Like every time I, I dive into that, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm digging it. Yeah.
0: It's, it's strong. It's, it's a, it's a very worthy, um, you know, worth, worth people's time. If you have a VR headset, mm-hmm. the room VR, uh, what else have you been playing in VR? I've been
2: this, I mentioned that I was mixing in some workouts, uh, you know, into my, my ring fit stuff when I need a little bit of a, a a break and I started doing box VR. Yeah. um, And I made the mistake on the first day of just jumping into the daily workout after they did the tutorial. And (laughs) and that hurt a lot. Uh, But but the one I I'm, I'm super into right now. uh, It just came out. It's called supernatural VR. And so it's, if you think about the beat saber concept where you've got, you know, two things in each hand and you're hitting targets in a very specific way. This one is designed specifically around the concept of working out. So whereas Beat Saber was originally a, yeah. a like 120 degree, you know, you face forward and that's your your field of view. Uh, yeah. But they later added the 360 degree to it. Supernatural VR is designed uh, with 360 degrees, but, the, but there are two big conceits to it. One is that every place that you are working out is in a beautiful place somewhere on earth. So the Galapagos islands or Iceland and it's gorgeous and it's bright and it feels very open. Um, and the other thing is that there are trainers. So there is a trainer talking you through everything. And Hmm. so it's got, um, it's got new music. So like there's a Lizzo track in one of the workouts, for instance. (laughs) Um, and the trainer's talking you through and it guides you in 360 degrees. So you're hitting targets with both arms and you're turning. And it w- so it's perfect for the quest. Uh, there's no, so you're not, cause you're not tethered, right. but the, there's also uh, it's a full body workout. So there are these triangles that come at you. So you know how um, Beat Saber has like the red bars and that you have to like kind of move around and duck around. Yeah. Um, this game has triangles. And if, there's an isosceles or an equilateral triangle, like it's just a squat and like there are lunges as well. So there are isosceles triangles in either direction, um, so that you're lunging. And then there are some where, um, where it moves. So like you're shifting your body and hitting targets while you're kind of squatting or lunging. And at the same time, some of the targets have, I think, um, Elite Beat Agents is a good one. You know how uh, if if you play that, you tap, but there's also somewhere you like drag it across the screen. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing where you hit the target and you keep your arm moving until you hit the next target. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a full body workout. It's, it's really great. It syncs up with your, with like an Apple watch and you know, there's a, a mobile app as well.
0: Hmm. And so this isn't, it's not pretending to be anything other than a workout. It's really saying, Hey, you're here to work out.
2: Yes. Um, yeah. but it is very gamified. It does take that beat saber concept yeah. and, um, and, and kind of, kind of strips away the, the, the idea that, okay, you're going to work out while you're playing this awesome game. This is, you're going to work out. Um, and there's a, there's a cool gamification element to it. Um, so it's it's more on the it's it's definitely along the lines of box VR as opposed to something like Pistol Whip, which right. is very much a game that really keeps you moving.
0: Yeah, it just happens to make you sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's called Supernatural
1: VR, and it uh, had sounds- it's a uh, like a fee, right? Like thirty days free, and then it's. Did you mention that it's like twenty dollars yes. a month, something like that? Yeah, I
2: think it's nineteen a month after the first month,
1: and there are daily
2: workouts. So. Oh, interesting. So it is like, it is a subscription, but again, if you are someone who regularly goes to the gym and you're not paying a gym fee right now, then the $19 a month, you know, it's, yeah. it's fairly affordable. I'm assuming that pays for the, for the trainers, because again, there's a trainer in your ear um, through most of it and the music licensing, because he uses a lot of very new music.
1: And programming too, I'd imagine, like, you know, aside from the trainer and you're like building out if you're actually mm-hmm. building out um i've heard about this from jeff but mike i'm curious your take as i'm i've thought about supernatural and i've thought about it more as just i play beat saber how do you what's your solution for sweating in the headset
2: uh not good right now um (laughs) but uh one of the cool things is that there are are silicon inserts that they're selling along with supernatural that are like 12 bucks Hmm. So even if you don't have any interest in that, if you go to their website, you can order one of those silicon inserts. So it's designed specifically for working out in VR. So you're not getting the padding all nasty. But we typically wipe it down with like a Clorox wipe when we're done.
1: Dang, you have Ring Fit Adventure and Clorox wipes? What are you? I know. The monopoly man over there?
0: (laughs) Toilet paper rolls.
2: (laughs) Honestly, the the Clorox wipes are just a leftover uh, from before. Cause boy, we tried to get some more when all this started and that didn't happen.
0: Man, that easy. Uh, Christian, I, I have a couple more VR games I've been playing. Uh, one of them, I think Christian, you will, you might be interested to check out. I know it's not a great time to do horror stuff just because, you know,
1: I do it every day. I go on a walk with my kids. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I go We're to the grocery store.
0: <laughs> uh, there's a new game in, on quest called lies beneath that I have uh, been checking out. Um, and I think this is really up your alley, Christian. It's, it's, it's very much uh, a playable graphic novel and. Oh yes. Way- yes. I almost bought this. It's cool. I'm digging it, dude. It, you know, it's again, hard to play anything after half-life Alex, because it, it it's not that level, but much smaller team. It is. Uh, I think it excels in its minimalistic nature and it, it does what it does pretty well, pretty smartly. The graphic style is this kind of rad cel-shaded graphic novel thing. But the best part about it is the storytelling. It's like you're walking through a graphic novel. You you literally walk up to text boxes that you would find in a comic book and read them. And then you're wandering around. "Oh, Oh, and there's another text box like hanging out over that tree. I'll walk over closer to it and then read the next part of the story very very cleverly done the whole whole story is set up with a actual comic book that you stand in front of and reach out and turn the page on but they do some really cool stuff too where you as you're in vr and you move your head around like the images have layers and they and depth to them so they kind of shift and move as you look at them it's it's a neat effect and one that i think makes it jump to life and come off the page it's not like you're just staring at a, a flat image um Very clever game. You know, it's, it's spooky, scary, you know, it's a survival horror type of a situation where there's big, horrible things happening in the woods, um, and relatively linear, uh, and you know, there's shooting and stabbing and violence and all that stuff, but, uh, it's, it's a pretty well told story. It's, you're, you know, you get in a car accident with your dad, I believe. Uh, and, um, and you know, you're in the woods and, and you got to figure out, what to do and where to go. And I'm digging it. It's called lies beneath it's it's on quest, which is what I was playing it on. And, uh, I I think it's pretty darn good worth. I think it's like 14 bucks. I think it's well worth it.
1: Yeah. I think it looks beautiful. What I keep holding out for, and I haven't heard anything. Maybe I just missed it because of like the weight of the world. I want, I really want to play that, um, walking dead VR game. I think it'd be, Oh, I played that. It is. It's, it's real good. It, but it, yeah, but it's supposed to be a quest version because I have a hard time well, Link Cable, Half-Life Alex, that'll be my next linked game. I keep sending, I keep meaning to send it to you and I just haven't done it, yet. I'm sorry. Well, it's I'll sorry. give you a new address in a week. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um hopefully. Um my wife is leaving me. Um what I'm saying <laughs> is um I, I think there's a quest version in development, and I and I, I'm excited to play that version. I think in my head I've decided that's my next horror VR game. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, The Walking Dead is is pretty good. It, it is full-on, you know, survival horror, but it is... I mean, that's a game where you you stab things with a knife, and then you have to push farther in to get the knife into their skull to kill them. And then you have to yank it twice to
1: get it all the way out. <laughs>
0: it so looks that's real what good.
1: It looks real good. A- yeah. Alex first, and then maybe by the time I finish Alex, that'll be out. Yeah.
0: Uh, one last one before we move on, and I know we're going long, but I, I, I want to talk about Slinger VR, which is another game I've I've played, uh, which is another in a long line, and believe me, the line can be as long as it needs to be because I love every new addition into this subgenre. A long line of, of basically Spider-Man simulators in VR. Uh, this is a puzzle game where you are attempting to basically fling yourself through a magical portal uh, that's hanging in space in all this crazy wild geometry. And the only way to move around is to throw out these sort of magical Spider-Man webs and, and swing um, pretty great. It is not a complete home run. I, I think it's pretty simplistic. And it, I mean, it is a pure puzzle game. Like it tells you how long it took you to get there and you're just basically trying to beat your time and it ramps up. It, the complexity gets more interesting. It, I mean, it is this kind of crazy MC Escher levels where you, you're standing on a platform that's hovering in space in, you know, this infinite void of chaos and there's swirling shapes and, you know, spiraling upside down platforms all up and down and far away. And you just kind of leap off and start swinging your way through it. Uh, all of that. By the way, I mean to say in a very positive way because that's cool and fun. And it, it gives you a great sensation of of swinging. And as you you bend the the light beam that is your spider web, uh, you pull yourself closer and you have a lot of control over the, the distance. And there's literally no other movement than swinging, even when you're very close to things. If you're standing on a platform, there's no way to walk or teleport. You literally have to reach out and pull yourself along uh, with the... The spider webs, um, and, it, and like I said, it gets more complex. There are things where the portal is shut off, and you have to turn beams on or off in certain areas, and it, it so you, it makes you go in much you know indirect routes to the goal, and um, lots of difficulty levels. It's good. It's called Slinger VR. I recommend it. It it's not as good as Windlands Two, which Windlands One was great too, but Windlands Two is does everything this game does, but also has a really interesting story and cool fiction and an awesome world building. And, you know, windlands two is very, very good. Um, and so it actually made me nostalgic for windlands two and I reinstalled it and started playing that a little bit. So it's hard for me to recommend slinger VR more than windlands two. Although I think it's about half the price of windlands two. So there's that. Um, but, very worth playing and 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 fun uh, and a great concept, but these are you know these are games in contrast to Walking Dead or Lies Beneath that are the kinds of things that I enjoy right now in particular in VR where I can just be in a place and just be flinging myself around. You know, it's just I'm just Spider Man in an infinite abstract world of shapes and colors, and I don't have to think about the real world. I don't have to think about things trying to get me or shooting stuff. It's just. Pure, you know, flight of fancy movement, uh, locomotion. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, anyway, I highly recommend Windlands too. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk. I know we're we're long, but let's uh, let's talk some tabletop time. Get the time, get the time. Right now. Right now. Time, 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 time. Mike, I couldn't have you on and not talk tabletop time because I know you yes. write a lot about board games, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm curious. There's one game in here in particular that I I really want to hear about because I've been flirting with buying it myself. Um, so let's start with that. Actually, Marvel Champions is a living card game from Final uh, from uh, Fantasy Flight that uh, I keep wanting to get Uh, are you are you digging marvel champions i
2: would strongly suggest you get it
0: it's so (laughs) good
2: i need to hear right now
0: i know i
2: i am the worst for people's wallets that happens all the time all the time i will i like i there was somebody when we were at uh pax we sat down and we were talking about marvel united which is a a different i'm a huge marvel fan uh which is a completely different game with like a bunch of little minis and and i yeah, spent, like hundreds of this person hundreds of dollars of this person's money i convinced them <laughs> to get it marvel champions is fantastic uh, i'm a huge fan of fantasy flights living card games i've played arkham i've played star wars their star wars living card game rest in peace there i played netrunner rest in peace they've really sunset a, lo- a lot of these things yeah. um lord of the Rings living
0: is living is a uh, yeah as a short term <laughs> <laughs> <This is crazy. laughs> uh, but
2: but for those who don't know living the living card game format it's different than a traditional collectible card game because there are fixed distributions so you know exactly what you're getting in every expansion and the way they've set up expansions for this is different than the way they've done everything else all their other living card games where you're either buying a hero pack and it has a pre-constructed deck of i think it's 40 cards for that hero And there are also uh, villain packs where that add a new villain to the game. So the core box comes with five heroes. It's She-Hulk, Iron Man, Black Panther. Spider-Man. Spider-Man is definitely one of them. And Captain Marvel. So those are the five. And the villains are Rhino, Claw, and Ultron. And they've added Captain America, Miss Marvel, uh, Thor, and Doctor Strange is coming. And I'm trying to think like who else they've announced the bad guys. They added green goblin. They added uh, the wrecking crew, which plays completely differently. So the way it works is you pick who you're fighting against. You have your own decks and you can play with the pre-constructed decks that they recommend in the core box, the core box differently than every other fantasy flight living card game. You can play out of the box with four players, uh, which is, which is great. And it comes with the three villains, There are, there's a hard mode for each of the villains and it's very, uh, it's very cooperative. And and I say, obviously it's a cooperative game, but even the way it it works, you have to, there's a lot of table talk involved and some, because the
0: the the villains, the villains attack you, but they also have like an evil scheme that they're trying to accomplish. Right. And one of the coolest things about this game, one of the things that I'm like, Oh, I want that is that you're able to switch back and forth between your superhero persona and your alter ego once per turn, and there's things that actually Peter Parker can do that are useful when he's not Spider-Man. Right?
2: Exactly, and there's there's a lot of strategy to that because not only can you switch back to Peter Parker, you get uh, you get that versions ability so you get your alter ego ability ability but you can heal up as an alter ego and you're not going to get attacked by the villain instead when it comes around to you the villain is going to scheme instead of attack which means they're going to try to progress their their evil plan so you can either lose by having everybody knocked out or you can lose if the master plan is accomplished and just like all of these um, living card games that are cooperative, you have villains that pop up and you need to, and those get assigned. They they kind of attack specific heroes. There are events that you need to deal with. What's cool about this is uh, hand management is really interesting. It, it's handled very differently. You actually kind of want to spend your cards because each of your cards you know, has its own ability that it can do, but it has a cost, and the way you pay for that is by spending other cards that have their own currency value in paying for paying for cards. Right. But if you if you go through all of your cards, you actually just shuffle up, and then you have your deck back. But there's a penalty for it; you have to draw another encounter card um, immediately when you shuffle, and you resolve it the next time the villain goes. So there is a, so you get all your cards back, but there's a penalty to it. It's, it makes for a really, a really interesting uh, dynamic. And there, you know, you could be going through and feeling like, Hey, we're doing really well, or you could be behind and then have to adapt to that. Every hero comes with their own specific, like um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's their own bad thing. So like Peter Parker's is, I think that, uh, he's overdue on his rent and like you have to, you have to do something to get rid of that card or else it will, uh, it'll continue to, to haunt you. So there are things that pop up along the way that you as a hero or their alter ego have to deal with in order to be able to focus back on the villain. So there's very much that comic book element,
0: man. It just sounds super rad, and you can play it as a solo game or two players. It's a, up to four. Um, it's works it really well. Yeah, I heard it actually is really good as a two-player game. It is as well, which is you know pretty great. Uh, so, some Marvel Champions from Fantasy Flight is the name. Um, I I have also been playing Everdell, which you have listed here as yay. well. And, uh, I kickstarted it, uh, and uh, so are you. Are you digging Everdell? I, know, I think just. Didn't it
2: just come out with an expansion for that too? There are a couple of expansions. Um, I think there's three now. We have one, Pearl Brook, which we're about to get to the table. We've now played it enough times that we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's add it. They don't recommend that you play with all of the expansions at once. They mm-hmm. recommend that you do one at a time because there's the, the Pearl Brook, I believe it covers over part of the board and then adds some new stuff to it. So it's a very yeah. cool engine building game.
0: It's cool. It's, it's, it's really a beautiful game. The art is fantastic. Um, it's like a three dimensional board where you've got, you know, like a tree house basically that you put together and, and put things on top of. Um, but it's basically a very light worker placement game. Uh, I mean, I guess not that light, it's fairly light, uh, but it's got some cool dynamics to it. Really not lovely components. I, for me, the, the big draw is how pretty a game it is. Yes.
2: It's a yeah. very pretty game. And those components, those, those, those rubbery berries, the berries and-
0: man. Yes. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to hold them in my hand. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're lovely little, like, as you said, rubbery, uh, berries that are a currency that you get in the game too.
2: And like the, the stones are nice and smooth and the amber is great or the, uh, yeah. the resin, and yeah. then you've got the the wooden sticks. What I really like about the game is there's a lot of variability to it each time you play cuz there are the there are events that are common every time, but then there are these cards that you deal out that are like, well, if you have these two characters or these two villagers in your town, you can then spend a worker to go and claim this victory thing. And right. it gives you it gives you a a, a chunk of victory points.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And and the art is so great that it like has that little person in the picture of the place. So the card with the place has the person and the card with the person has the place. Uh, It's very clever, very, very clever.
2: And that that mechanic where you've got, you're only going through about half of the deck every time you play. And there's this central marketplace where on your turn, instead of placing a worker, and this is one of the things I really like is is, is it gives you a lot of flexibility. If you have a specific building you can then get the villager for free right, right. Um, yeah. and there's only fifteen spots in your village so you have to kind of be economical and think about okay what exactly is my end game here how am I scoring my points
0: yeah we, we like this one quite a bit it's uh, it's called everdell and uh, yeah I think it's pretty popular in BGG right now too so mm-hmm. um, but I have to say uh, I have a bit of a blind spot for the next game because uh, I was I guess I was a little too old when power rangers happened uh, i never got into the power rangers but people love the power rangers and you've been playing the new power rangers video game heroes of the grid i'm sorry um, board game.
2: yeah this is this is the board game so battle for the grid is the video game heroes right. of the grid this was a this is renegade games this was kickstarted. actually um i'm not a, i wasn't a huge power rangers fan uh, i i always when i was a kid or when i was i guess i was in high school and power rangers hit um i always saw it as knockoff voltron yeah,
0: <laughs> me too. I actually, I was, a, this is a dumb little side story, but I I went, um, I was a, um, a um, exchange student to Japan uh, when I was in high school. And while I was there, we saw these people dressed in these weird costumes at Tokyo Disneyland. And we thought it was the goofiest thing. My friend and I made fun of it. It was the goofiest thing. Oh, look, at look, they're trying to be Voltron and they're just in these terrible costumes. And then like three months after we got back, it arrived in America and became this huge thing. And we just, I had this bad taste in my mouth cause I had seen it before I knew what it was at all. And it mm. just seemed like the most goofy thing anyway. So I never got into power Rangers.
2: So I'll be honest. I, I, I wouldn't have been so attracted to this game if it wasn't designed by Jonathan Ying, because mm. I'm a huge, huge star Wars Imperial assault fan. Yeah. Um, and I have everything for that game. I, I'm running a campaign for the kids that we need to get back to. That's I've rad. like I have this whole like PowerPoint that kind of tracks like all the story beats in the game. Uh, but Jonathan Ying, he did uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault. He did Doom for Fantasy Flight. Right, uh, he, a good game. Yeah, it's it's rad. Um, and he did uh, the Nic- Nickelodeon Splat Attack, which had some issues, but was. Like, but it was like all of these wonderful Nickelodeon characters. So it's a, also a very cooperative game. It's very challenging. Um, the minis are nice and big. I have like a giant Megazord mini uh, on my, uh, I, it's not even anywhere near the game. It's in my, my office. It's so pretty. <laughs> and the way it works is uh, you've got a monster and a boss and you need to, like, there's a lot of, of combos that need to happen, a lot of table talk. It's good for us with the kids. The kids love playing cooperative games. Um, but they also love, like, a really good... You know, they love competitive games. They love cooperative games. If we can get them around the table, if we can get them, like, talking and, like, strategizing, they feel great. And I got it mostly to play with the kids. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge Power Rangers fan. Like, I, 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 I have found some love for it but the game design is really what attracted me to it so uh if you have any interest in power rangers at all it is very lovingly handled
0: And that's power rangers heroes of the grid uh christian you have been sitting around a table doing some some cardboard manipulation as well haven't you
1: yeah so i i've ordered some new ones and we've blasted through some ones we've had sitting around and as we talk about table time, I want to re- remind people of the joy of puzzles, you know, those little cardboard jigsaw puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles. Yes. Not yeah. the reboot of saw jigsaw, but like you do it, you do it at the table or ground. Um, and my kids have started advancing from like the, you know, I feel like when you have little kids, it's not uncommon to see like toddlers, like those blocks, like wooden blocks. Um, and then I feel like for a lot of people, maybe they kind of fall off. Um, and I found for us, the the key was to find puzzles that are actually good cardboard. <laughs> um, a lot of times, you know, if you're at Target or wherever, and you're like, oh, the, there's the Frozen 2 puzzle. I mean, some of those have been hit and miss, right? Like those impulse purchases or like holiday or birthday gifts or whatever. And it's like an IP the kids love, but the puzzle itself is poor quality in terms of the the weight of the cardboard or the cut, Like there's nothing more frustrating than dealing with a complicated part of a puzzle. And you think it's right, but it doesn't fit the way it should. Very frustrating. So I'd recommend getting, you know, reading reviews or finding some good puzzles that have a nice weight to them and a good clean cut. And then the, the two I ordered, this is not a promoted, uh, part, but, um, I've talked about Mondo and their posters a whole bunch. Um, they have some really cool puzzles, and I, I took the plunge on a couple of thousand pieces. I sent you a link to one, Jeff. They have a D&D box.
0: I know that D&D box is so cool. It's the old classic red box uh, D&D. I also like that Captain America one you showed me. It looks so rad. Yes, yeah,
1: so I bought the Captain America one, and then I bought two. They have a U.S. National Parks puzzle I bought two. Surprise, the person I gift the other one to, if you're listening. Um, and I think a. No, that'd be the Dungeons and Dragons one, Um, which is going to be a bear of a puzzle, man, because it's is—it's just like the thick red borders that are just like, have fun. Um, But to me, as someone who fell off of jigsaw puzzles for a while, because as a young adult, I had this thing where like, I need to finish it. Um, And to me, the key is to be able to have a place where you can leave it. And yeah, for sure. I find that so joyful now to just walk by and be like, oh, maybe there's a, I got one and then move on. And I've kind of like, let go of like when i let go of like xbox achievements <laughs> you know right. and like that the kind girls of girls
0: don't mess with it though they don't uh well, so no potential of getting it messed up
1: the thousand piecers that's going to be the next step right that i have a table in mind where they're going to sit and be off the floor for a dog and stuff but right now it's coffee table and we're doing 100 i think the biggest we've done is a 250 and so they know that That's going to be our project for the week, right? And we'll tinker with it. The first time we did (laughs) the 250, my youngest swept the table because she wanted a color there. And I get that, you know, small space. Um, But there are some beautiful jigsaw puzzles out there now. And then if you like it so much, you can always put a little like uh, glue on it. and You've got a beautiful picture to hang. Awesome.
0: All right, I need to thank our final sponsor, which is Postmates. Well, we're in a Postmates world. We're in a Postmates world, so you should be using Postmates. Uh, we, are, uh, we are staying at home, and food can be brought to you. You don't have to just limit yourself to things that actually already deliver. Um, and I've been using Postmates now because uh, we can't just make food for ourselves all the time. We make a lot of food for ourselves, but my wife and I have decided there are some nights where we just want it to be taken care of. And from late night tacos, you know, to even just like an early morning uh, smoothie, you just kind of need food delivered to you fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. So Postmates can get you stuff in your neighborhood, local stuff that you doesn't usually deliver. It can get it delivered right to you. No more trips to the store. You know, you can stay in and be safe and not have to put that mask on. Uh, just go download the Postmates app on iOS or Android. Find your favorites, get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving listeners of DLC $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. What? $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days? To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the promo code DLC. That's promo code DLC for $100 of free delivery credits with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Mike Futter, thank you so much for being here, man. What a great time it's been chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved this. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things you do online.
2: Oh, great. Thanks. Um, On Twitter, I'm at Futterish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. And I also have a podcast that focuses on the business of games for the rest of us called Virtual Economy. So that's at Virtual Econcast.
0: Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on?
1: Twitter is always a good way to see things as they happen. I am at Spicer and then twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, where I stream this show typically at 7.15 p.m. Pacific. And then in May, we'll be doing the bulk of my uh, streaming to raise money for St. Jude. So it'll be Friday nights. I'll be playing Monster Hunter World. And then Saturdays, I have fun streams like this coming Saturday at 8 p.m. Pacific. With you and Tim, I'll be playing some Streets of Rage Four in the background, and we'll be hanging out and chatting. So head over to Twitch.tv/slash Christian Spicer and uh, come hang out with us.
0: Very, very cool. You know, what we did this week actually for the first time was I, I just for the very first time I did the Jackbox thing. Man, that's fun. It's so well done. It's so well done. It it's so 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 well easy done. To do as a stream, it's so easy to do and it's so fun, so great, such perfect thing for for um, you know our current situation of not being able to be in the same room with people. Uh, very well done um you can follow me on twitter i'm at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t uh, you can email this show here dlc by uh, sending us an email to dlc at gmail.com we love getting your emails letting us know what you think about the show um telling us games that maybe we've missed that you'd like to tell us about anything we love your comments dlc at gmail.com i also have a couple of other shows if you want to hear more of me during your week I talk about movies and TV shows over at the slash filmcast you can find that at slashfilmcastcom uh, we had a really fun episode last week a wild one uh, with uh, Alan Yang uh, famous director and writer uh, Alan yang from um, he uh, did master of uh, master of none uh, and he had <laughs> He decided what movie we were going to talk about, and we talked about Demolition Man from 1993. Nice. So it's a wild one. Great, great episode. Uh, also, I brought back We Have Concerns with Anthony Carboni. We're back doing a comedy science show. Keeps you informed uh, about stuff in the science world and makes you laugh. Uh, you can find that at wehaveconcerns.com or anywhere you get podcasts. And I also have a long form D show. Uh, live play Dungeons and Dragons. Very much proud of it. Uh, We're continuing also in the stay-at-home world uh, with a side adventure. I urge you to check it out. I think you'll like it. We just had our one-year anniversary of that show, and I'm super proud of it. Uh, You can find that anywhere you get podcasts uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there. It's a video show. Or you can watch it live as we record on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Mike, do you have a suggestion to help people get through
2: their week? Absolutely. If you've got your eye on a Lego set, go do it. Just... Let the pieces fly onto the table, and just put them together. It's a zen moment. I've been holding on to my Voltron set, and I think this is the week I finally busted out and do it.
0: Oh man, I uh, I just googled that Voltron set because I saw you wrote it down here, and ooh, that's nice. That looks is that like nice. the like...
1: off-brand uh, Power Ranger set? Or I'm confused. The off-brand Power Ranger set, exactly.
2: They're all lions. Why aren't they dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I dig it. Yeah, I got, a, I got
0: that, that like, Imperial TIE Fighter, super fancy Imperial mm-hmm. F- TIE Fighter one that's sitting un- put together. So that's kind of like what you said, Christian, about a puzzle. It's, uh, it's almost the same thing.
1: Very it simple. is, yeah, yes, and
0: 100%. Puzzle with instructions. Uh, great, great recommendation, Mike. Thank you.
1: Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? What's your parting gift? We watched uh, Dolphin Reef on Disney Plus recently, and it is just joyful. It's, you know, nature documentaries are just, they're so beautiful i don't know i mean planet earth all of those planet earth 2 and dolphin reef is it tells like a little story and it's natalie portman doing the narration and she knocks it out of the park or i guess yeah the narration and it's kind enough that like the circle of life stuff wasn't too scarring for, for my youngest daughter i feel like at the whole time i'm watching i'm like and here's the time where the baby dolphin dies. This is going to Oh no. Where's the shark? Can yeah, eat the, the dolphin? Orca, the orca has entered. Oh no. Separated from her mother and storm comes, but it does it really well. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful. If you already have Disney plus and you haven't watched it yet, check out dolphin reef.
0: Awesome. Uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift before, before I do that. I, I forgot to mention in, in the tabletop time segment, I was going to apologize uh, because I got a lot of emails this week from people who were offended that I belittled foosball. Uh, last week I I said foosball was random and didn't require a lot of skill like uh, crokinole or billiards. And boy, did that rile people up. Uh, I apologize. Clearly I don't have the foosball skills. I've always viewed it as a bit of a chaotic game, but people sent me videos and YouTube clips and explanations of how foosball is a skill game and i stand corrected so i apologize for that for forever besmirching the good name of foosball um i mean that honestly i sounded like i was being sarcastic but i mean it honestly uh anyway so here is our listener suggested parting gift which was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com this was sent by wyatt uh, from Columbus, Ohio. Wyatt says, uh, Today I have a parting gift that may be especially appealing to tabletop gaming fans. However, this can be certainly enjoyed by everyone. It's the comic book series Die by writer Kieron Gillen, artist Stephanie Hans and published by Image Comics. This series is about a group of six teenagers in the 90s who disappear into a D&D-style fantasy role-playing game And only five return. Nearly 30 years later, these broken adults are dragged back to discover the game isn't finished with them yet. As you can tell from the description, it's like a cross between Jumanji and Lord of the Rings, but it is intended for mature readers. Gillen does a great job weaving a narrative of fantasy, magic, and mystery that creates tension while maintaining the emotions and traits of his characters. Han's artwork is... Uh, absolutely gorgeous and it has a paint on canvas aesthetic that i love overall it is a great series and i hope you as well as other listeners give it a shot thank you for everything you do and keep up the great work on the show thank you wyatt christian have you do you know about
1: this this series die
0: i do not yeah it sounds like an awesome one image man image has got some great 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 comics so i will check this out
1: yes and now is the time to do it uh, especially if you can find a way to get it Save like the comics industry. <laughs> curbside <laughs> yeah. from your local creator or your local shop or something like that. And comics for creators for comics have done some great fundraising. And if you are into it now is the time to find ways to support it. Yeah.
0: My parting gift is the show, the last dance on ESPN, uh, which is all about the bulls in the nineties, the Chicago bulls basketball team. Um, man, even if you're not into sports, what an awesome documentary series. This is really digging deep on the interpersonal relationships of the team. And, you know, my, everybody knows about Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan. Even if you weren't really around to watch that team, I was, and boy, I remember those years, uh, just being blown away by what they were able to accomplish with six championships. But, this is such a well-put-together, in-depth look at, you know, the, the quest for that sixth championship um, with lots of really juicy stuff and just wild personalities and so many such great archival footage. If you have a, a chance to watch it, it's been on ESPN. It's not easily streamed, but man, I'm digging it. Uh, the Last Dance. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Mike footer and Jeff, Jeff, me and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me, Jeff. And thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L Sean Madigan and zero star for those fun bumpers. Thank you to our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. And thank you to each and every one of you for downloading us. We really appreciate it until next time. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.